Do you wanna run? Do you wanna run? Do you wanna run? Do you even trail bra? Do you wanna run? Do you wanna run? Do you wanna run? Do you even trail bra? Welcome to Rebecca Runs Trails. This is a podcast about you guessed it, trail running. Um, I'm Rebecca. I am a single mother. I am 38. I'm a high school teacher. I live in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I love running a lot. Um, I became an ultra runner officially last April, April uh, 2017, at the Gorge Waterfalls Race. Um, if you listen to my old podcast, uh, then you're kind of familiar with the format, but for those of you that are new, um, I like to talk about my struggles and triumphs uh, on the trail. Um, I run in Las Vegas here and I travel quite a bit, um, especially I love going to Flagstaff, um, Arizona, love going to Utah, California, so hoping to get some new places. Um, and as I said, I did my first ultra uh, at the Gorge Waterfall Race uh, in the Columbia River Gorge near Portland, Oregon last April, so that made me officially an ultra runner. It still feels weird for me to say that even though I've accomplished a lot. Um, so yesterday, I DNF'd my first 100-mile attempt, but I'm pretty excited about it. So uh, what I want to talk about today is kind of what's been going on since um, last time everyone heard from me and then how that 100-miler went um, and why I decided to quit uh, at mile 82.5. So about a year ago, uh, my friend Rachel and I had gone out to the Jackpot Ultra Running Festival here in Las Vegas. Um, it is an amazing event. Um, I'm not familiar with loop races. This is a loop race. Um, normally, I like to do, you know, the outdoorsy nature trail races. Um, I really don't even like doing road anymore. Um, so I went out there last year to just see a couple of friends and hang out. Um, and I had so much fun. Um, I got to pace somebody for a little while. And I just loved the social aspect of it. I loved seeing everyone. You know, even though we were running on a flat surface, um, it's concrete, pavement, a little bit of dirt road, uh, a little bit of trail, and then um, you get a little bit of uh, grass, actually. Um, it was fun. It was super fun. And so Rachel and I were kind of talking at our Monday night group run. We have a weekly Monday night um, trail group here. We meet every Monday night, usually on the west side of Vegas. And we were talking, and we were like, you know, we should do that. We should do it. We should do it next year. Okay, let's do the 24-hour. And so Rachel and I decided to sign up for the 24-hour race. And I'm not sure what happened. But um, we decided to change to the 100-miler for some reason. Um, and so we did that. And this was a while ago. It was like a year ago. So this race has been kind of on my mind for a year. And the last year, you know, I had um, probably, I want to say, one of the roughest years of my life. Um, but it was, it was a good rough year. Um, I got a lot stronger, and I learned a lot. And just, just on so many levels, through my running and personally. Um, and so having this on my plate um, coming up all year was was great it was good motivation and I, I I had a couple of setbacks but I also had a couple of successes so just a little recap um I did tushers like I mentioned that on the previous podcast and it didn't go very well I had I finished but I just had a bad mental mental breakdown during that race and so my next big race was um Havelina, uh, and I signed up for the 100 miler and school started I'm a school teacher and I just it was just too much um, with being a single mom and my, my, my school schedule. I teach two different advanced placement courses and I, it was too much. Like I couldn't get the training done and I really though 
dropping from Havelina took its toll on me. And then I had some personal things happen. And um, I just was really depressed. And I, I stopped running for a little while. And I withdrew from my running group. And it was really bad. But um, I went and I saw a therapist. And I had mentioned this on the previous podcast. And worked through, th- through some things with her. And um, just came out of everything stronger. Um, so still this was on my plate. Um, I signed up for Ray Miller with a huge group, and I talked about that a little bit. Um, I went out to Ray Miller, and I did the 50K, and I have to say, um, I had the most amazing race. Um, my first 50K, I, I finished um, around eight hours, um, and it was rough. Ray Miller, I started off very slow. We had a huge group of friends. There was over 60 of us from Las Vegas. It was beautiful. I mean, it's you're in Malibu, California. You can see the Pacific Ocean most of the time. The trails are just, if you imagine heaven, right? Uh, what trail running heaven would be, it, this is what it was for me. Just beautiful single track, so runnable. There were some some climbs, but, you know, it was nice because you'd get that little walk break, and then I could run the single track, and I ran really strong that day. I, I didn't race it. Um, I had fun, and I finished in 6 hours and 34 minutes. That was a huge 50K PR for me, but more importantly, it was a huge confidence booster. Um, I just I felt really good. And I had decided at that point with these races, too, to stop being so hard on myself. I was so hard on myself with my races. And if I went into the race with the attitude of, I'm just going to have fun, and I'm just going to be in the moment, and I'm not going to let my mind wander to these bad places, I'm going to be fine. So um, early January, um, there is a fat-ass race here. It's um, in Red Rock, and it is um, very difficult. It's about 6,700 feet of gaining to- gain total. Um, extremely difficult trails. Um, there's a loop that you have to do um, three times. Um, you run it twice clockwise and once counterclockwise, if I'm correct. Um, and that loop just once scares the shit out of me. So um, kind of all year, I have been going out there occasionally and I've been kind of training um, because the two previous years, I was injured and my mileage was restricted and so I was unable to uh, even attempt to run the 50k for that so I really wanted to do the 50k so um, I I went out there I went early I started before everyone else because there were some pretty fast strong people doing it I kind of wanted to be alone um, and I just I had the best time um, I took it easy um, but I pushed myself and I finished it and my friend who organizes it um, it was really sweet because he came up to me and he kind of he kind of said to me kind of quietly that I was the only female since he's been organizing the race and that's been a few years at least um, to complete the 50k. So the fact that I finished that really difficult 50k and I was the only female with all these guys that I have so much respect for um, was just such a great thing. And then, again, another confidence booster. So I felt really strong. So um, I decided to sign up for because I had jackpot coming up. I decided to sign up for um, the Calico Ghost Town. 50k um and it's outside of um kind of barstow california um it's kind of my thing because i do love the desert so this is desert trails um lots of lots of uh single track but also lots of dirt roads and i just felt like i could run a pretty fast strong race there so um a small group of us went out to calico again it was really nice to have our vegas trail community out there and again um i focused on just having fun and taking it easy but pushing myself and that race was great because I, I there was a couple of sections where there's some pretty nasty climbing, um, just slow, gradual climbing. And normally um, with that kind of thing, I would I would kind of power walk it. But I made a point to myself not to walk too much during that race. And I was able to really just push myself and run really hard. So 
I finished the Calico 50K in six hours and five minutes. So again, another huge 50K PR. So, and these are, you know, these are my long runs for jackpot. That's what, that, that's what I was looking at this as. So um, the next race that I did uh, was kind of a last minute thing. Um, I actually decided at Calico, I think a week before, uh, that I would go up and do the Arches Ultra. This is the first year that that race was put on. This is by Mad Moose Events. Um, I had run the Dead Horse uh, 30K the previous year, kind of in the same area, but in a different course section from the same uh, race company. So anyway, my friend Rachel, she was going up there to do it with some other people, another small group, and so uh, we decided to do that. And so again, I went up there. Um, Arches was an amazing, it was beautiful. It was very cold. It was very cold. I don't like the cold. Um, and so I went up there. I ran Arches. Um, again, I had an amazing race. I took it easy, but I also pushed myself. I had fun, um, and I finished Arches in six hours. And so huge PR. I was trying to get a sub 6 50K, um, and I missed it by a few seconds, which is a little sad, but um, great race. So here I am now. I knocked out four very uh, difficult 50Ks um, in a span of two months. And so I felt super confident going into jackpot. And then, um, you know, just my training runs. Like I have to say, um, it's funny because I started trail running about three years ago and I, I always run the same areas. Um, I, I typically run the same few loops. Um, I have a little loop here in Calico Basin that I like to run. Um, I run it right after I get off work. So I, I get off work. I work at a school that's about five minutes from Red Rock National Conservation Area. I'm so lucky. It was, that was actually by, by choice. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and so I, I get off work and I drive to the trailhead and I run this little loop and this loop, um, it's not, it's not hard, but it's not easy. And that's why I love it. And so I'll go out there and I, every time I run it, I try to just do a little bit better. So when I first started this loop three years ago, of course, you know, I would walk, I would say 80% of this loop or I would stop and I would take pictures and you know, whatever. And, um, so my goal has been to, in the last couple months to run that loop without stopping. Um, it's, it's a five mile loop. And um, also, though, to increase my time each time that I ran it. So I can't even tell you what probably my total time the first few times was because it was embarrassing and I don't want to look at it. But um, I finally got to the point now where I can run that loop um, and average, you know, about a nine-minute mile. And so I would say when I first started, I would average about a 12-minute mile. And so huge increase. And, that, and, and, and to run it now without stopping. So that... Like I would, I would, I just went out there right before jackpot and I went out there and I, I was kind of taking it easy because I didn't want to mess myself up before the tundra miler. And, um, I ran it without stopping and I looked at my, you know, my time on Strava and I just, I was so proud of myself because I have come so far and I think that, um, trail running is so hard and I've talked about this before, but that's what I love most about it. And I do love having that Strava data is that I can see my improvement over time and, and the improvement now from three years ago is just, it's massive, you know. And, of course, like, I still have so much that I want to improve upon. But it's feeling really good and really, really strong. And, you know, there's another loop out. We have an area here called Late Night. And it's one of my favorite trails to run, trail areas to run out here, too. Um, and I go out there. And there's a loop. And I call it the techno loop or whatever. But I remember when I first started trail running three years ago, I went out there to run it. And it was one of the first trails I ever ran. And I probably got, I'm, I want to say, two-tenths of a mile in. And I just stopped. 
and I was fat kid breathing. I call it fat kid breathing. <gasps> Just dying and thinking to myself, how do people do this? And, you know, I completed that loop, back, you know, back then, and, and I've been running it since, but it, it used to just kill me. I, w- I would only get maybe a mile or two and I would have to stop and catch my breath, you know, and I'd take selfies or whatever I had to do to tell myself that I wasn't dying. So, you know, again, the last few months I've been going out there and there was this one day after school, I'd had kind of a weird day at school and I, I got off work and I go out there and I run it and I ran it without stopping which was a first for me, and my time for it was just, I was amazed at myself, and I was so proud, and so I think having all of this, all of this confidence um, going to jackpot was just so helpful, I was super excited. Okay, so so let's talk about jackpot. So jackpot is a loop race, it is um, 2.5 mile loop, and you do have a mix of concrete, grass, gravel, and pavement, um, there's a beautiful fake lake uh, in the middle of the course. It's so it's a gorgeous setting. It really is, um, and it's kind of a weird structure. Like I can't even explain how the loop works because you kind of go around and then you go through another path and you go up the grass and then you come back around down the sidewalk and you go around and out. So 2.5 miles. So for the hundred miler, you do 40 laps of this 2.5 mile loop. And there are various distances and times going on out there. So there's actually a 48-hour race. They started on Friday morning. Um, and then there's a 6-hour, a 12-hour, 24-hour. There's a half marathon, 50-miler. So there's all these people out there doing all these different things. Um, and what's amazing about this race is, and especially this year, is that there's all kinds of you know famous uh, ultra runners that come out and do this. And so Ed, uh, the jester, was out there. Uh, I've seen him out there before, so it was really cool to see him out there. He brought brightened my spirits. Um, and uh, Trayson, um, if you have ever run read Born to Run um, or seen that she's won Western States, I think uh, fourteen times. Um, just such that like having her out there and seeing her was was super cool. I was really excited about that. Um, and then of course Corey Reese, who has been a huge inspiration to me. I just love how. He is so himself, and he has, you know, like, you think about, like, his Dr. Peppers, and I saw him drinking Dr. Pepper out there, and uh, just all of the awesomeness that he is. Like, I just love how, I feel like, you know, I love running, and I feel like I'm super positive about it, and I just want to have fun, and I feel like Corey is all about that, and so, I, you know, I follow him on Facebook and Instagram, and I love seeing his training runs, and just so inspiring, so inspiring. So he was out there. And then there's all these other people. And then, of course, all of my friends that were out there doing various things. And a lot of us were out there to do our first 100-milers. So it was really exciting. Um, so let, let me talk about my, my, my strategy, my plan, before I talk about what actually happened. I've never done a 100-miler before. I've never done a, uh, anything over a 50K before. So I knew this was pretty ballsy and pretty stupid, kind of, at the same time. Um, but, again, I felt pretty confident because it is a flat course. And I've been running all these difficult trail races Um recently so my plan was to break the race into four 25 mile sections because 25 miles is 10 laps so I figured every I would I would go balls to the walls every 10 laps and then I would uh, take a little break a little 10 minute break um, and then go out again and I had a pace goal for each of these 10 laps Um, I just I know myself so well and if I don't have a goal that's when things typically fall apart so I need to have a realistic goal I've learned that so for miles 1 through 25, my goal was to keep a 9.30 per minute mile pace. Um, 
very doable for me because I've done marathons, road marathons, at a nine-minute pace. And so I figured, okay, if I can knock out this first 25 really strong, that gives me a nice cushion that establishes things well for me. I'm not killing myself, so I still have plenty of energy left for the rest of the race. So that was the goal. Miles 25 through 50, my goal was to keep a 10.30 minute per mile pace. Um, and then 50 to 75, uh, 11.30. And then 75 to 100 was 15 minute mile minute per mile. Now, again, I, I had no idea what I was talking about, um, which I knew, um, but I needed to establish something. And so this was my A goal. This was, I wanted a sub 24. This was best case scenario. This was, everything was amazing. Um, with little 10 minute breaks in between each 25 miles. So of course, you know, um, I get out there and things change. Um, I opted, I, and again, I don't know why, they had, um, they sent an email out saying that the USATF um, was going to allow us to sign up to get awards through the USATF. Um, and it sounded really cool. I'll be honest with you, I have no fucking clue what that is. But I was like, okay. And my, one of my friends was like, oh, you should sign up for that, um, you know, because you can place. And I'm like, okay, oh, awesome. And then, you know, when I got out there, I was like, well, well why am I doing this? Because doing the USATF meant that you couldn't have any pacers. You couldn't have anyone with you. You know, and I, I thought at the time, like, oh, well, I, I'll be fine. I don't need a pacer, you know. Well, that changed. So so that was my goal, was 930 for 25 miles, 1030. 25 to 50, 1130, 50 to 75, and then a 15 minute average pace uh, for that last 25 miles to get a sub 24. So um, my best friend, my trail spouse, that's what I call her Molly, she lives in Utah now. She came out here uh, with her boyfriend to crew me and to you know help out. She was gonna pace me, but now we found out she couldn't pace me because I signed up for this USATF thing, so whatever. So, you know, and Molly, has as much experience with these ultras as I do, which is like nothing. So we both really didn't know what we were doing. So I honestly didn't even, my, my plan as far as nutrition and things like that, I wanted to keep it the same as what I had done for my 50Ks. So I used um, lots of goos. I have, I bought a whole bunch of goos. Um, I used the goo powder. I've, now I've never used the goo powder in a race, and I know you're not supposed to do new things on a race day, but um, I know a lot of people who do use it. I just wanted that extra um, insurance of, you know, carbs and everything. And so I figured what I would do is um, I, I like to keep two handhelds. I hate carrying a pack. Um, and I didn't want to have to stop um, constantly and refill my water bottles because that would eat up a lot of time. So um, what we decided to do was I had bottles ready to go and then I could just come through. And the nice thing is with this race, because it is a loop race, you're passing by, you know, where your, your little station is. So my friends set up a little spot um, right next to the course, and that's where I had Molly set up uh, with all of our stuff. And I, it was funny. I, I kind of felt embarrassed when, when we got out there because I just had, like, a little tub, a little clear tub, and I threw, you know, my gels in there, my powder, and I had I, – I, I honestly wasn't thinking um, because I don't know what I'm doing. I, I felt like such a noob. Um, I had body glide and um, pretzels, and really that was it. Um, I, at the last second, thankfully, uh, I grabbed a jacket. Um, I didn't bring gloves, um, you know, and I'm thinking about all these mistakes that I made um, because it ended up being very cold at night, so that was that was a huge issue. So, so we set up our little tub, and I looked around, and I saw, you know, everyone else has, like, tents 
and they have crew and they have um, just everything. And I, so I, that little that kind of knocked my confidence down a little bit because I was like, whoa, what am I doing here? Am I am I not prepared for this? You know, um, so that scared me a little bit. Um, but eh. uh, so anyway, so race day. Um, I actually it was funny. I've been far more nervous about races. Um, other races than I was for this one, which was good. That was really good, and I think that just comes with experience. I mean, I, I of course I was, I was still nervous, but um, you know, I I drove myself down there um at about six o'clock. The race started at eight, so I left my house about six. Um, I got there, put my tub of stuff out. Um, my friend Molly, uh, showed up uh, with her boyfriend, and we got everything all ready to go. And um, I was kind of on the fence about should I wear shorts or not, um, should I wear shorts, you know, just all of that stuff. So I decided to wear shorts and my Tushers finisher shirt because that always makes me feel like a badass, it helps. Um, and then uh, I had arm sleeves on because it was chilly in the morning, but it wasn't too bad. And then, of course, the hat. Um, I forgot to put on sunscreen, and so that ended up hurting me later on, but that, that again, was a lesson. Um, and I was wearing my Ultra Lone Peaks. Um, which is kind of funny. I'll have to tell the story later about my Nikes. I, I was wearing Nikes for a little while, um, but I, I noticed that the Nikes on longer runs were making my feet hurt, and so I kind of switched back to my Ultras because they are far more comfortable um, on the longer on the lo longer miles for me. So I had that, those on. Um, so I get there, and then, of course, we had a huge – this was so amazing. There was a huge group of people out there running various distances, but there was a huge group of people – running their first hundred milers that I know and that I'm very familiar with and really just have so much respect for and so that was very cool for all of us to be sharing this experience um so we took a couple of little group pictures or whatever and we get to the start line and it's go time and you know I I was excited um but I was also very nervous about those pace goals that I had set for myself because I, I, you know, you have no idea how you're going to feel once, once that, that, that gun goes off. And so we start running and I felt amazing. And I looked down at my watch and I was running a sub nine minute mile. And I was running with two of my friends. I was running with my friend, um, John, and I was running with my friend, Rob. And Rob was doing the marathon and John was doing the 50 miler. So when I realized that I was running so fast, I said to myself, like, okay, uh, you need to slow down because you've got 99 more miles to go and you're not going to be able to sustain this pace. But then another part of me said, eh, this is flat. The weather's nice. You feel good right now. Go for it. So, you know, and I'm looking at my Strava right now. My my first mile was an 840. Second mile was the 844. 910, 852, 904, 902, 905, 904. So you can see the first, um, I'm looking at, I didn't go above a 10-minute mile until mile 20, which I was feeling amazing. In fact, I was mostly under a 9.30 until um, I got to mile 20. And then again, um, I got to mile 20. I was feeling great. Now, remember, my, my, my plan was when I got to 25, I was going to take a little break and knock it back. But I got to mile 25, and, and because I could stop – at my little station with Molly and grab whatever I needed very quickly. Um, and even if I needed to use the bathroom very quickly, I didn't need that longer break. Um, I did stop. They had a main aid station um, at the at the beginning of the loop, and I was able to stop and grab stuff there. So um, I was actually, at that point, well under my goal time. And then 
I hate, I know people mean well. Someone said to me, you're in second place. Well, I knew, first of all, that wasn't going to last long because I wasn't going to be able to sustain the pace that I was at um, for, for that long. And I knew that the end of the race was going to be a struggle for me. I knew that before the gun even went off. So um, I was t- eating gels and, and they were fine. I was a little worried about how having so many gels was going to affect me. Um, I, I almost always use goo gels, but I was wondering like by the 10th one, how sick was it going to make me? But no, I felt great. So I had goo powder in one bottle, water in another handheld, and then um, I had my goo powder uh, or my, my gels. And then, you know, then I got to the point after I hit mile 25, I would grab peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, um, whatever looks good at the aid station. That's always been a good policy for me. Someone had said that to me once. Um, you know, just, just whatever looked good, salty foods. I like potatoes. I like peanut butter and jelly. They had Nutella on crackers. So it was really good. So I, I was, I was feeling amazing. Now, when I hit mile 31 I'm still flying and this was an exciting moment for me because like I said earlier I've never been over a 50k so after 31 everything after that was new territory for me um I can tell you hitting 40 miles for the first time was pretty freaking exciting that was that was a great feeling um and then when I started to see that I was approaching 50 miles Man, I was getting excited. Now, at this point, I had slowed down quite a bit. Um, I was running fast, but I was stopping more often. I was, I had started stopping. I, I had to use the restroom a little more often. And um, I was stopping to fill up my water bottles a little more often. And I was eating more, so that, which is fine. It slowed me down a little bit, though. But I was still doing really well. Um, I was still, still flying. So I hit 50 miles for the first time. I hit 50 um, at around 9 hours and 9 minutes. And so... Knowing that I was that close to a nine-hour 50-miler or sub-10 50-miler was pretty freaking exciting and really boosted my confidence. So so when I hit the 50-mile mark, again, I was still feeling great. Like, I was feeling great. Everybody was seeing me and they were saying, wow, you look amazing, look fresh. You know, running around that course and, and saying hi to everyone and smiling at all my friends. And I would run past, you know, some of my friends and I'd pinch their butts or grab their, you know, yank on their ponytails or couple of my friends I, I had my music on my rap music I love listening to music when I run that's everything to me so um and I actually I went out and I bought an iPod um touch was really expensive just so I could have you know hours and hours and hours of music out there um and so just it was amazing it was so great I was having so much fun I love running so much and it was just it was heaven um hitting 50 miles was super exciting and so then the big thing for me was was okay now I want to get to my first 100K because I've, again, never gone farther than 31 miles. And so I did. Um, I hit uh, that 100K and boy, was I excited. Um, but then that's when things start to change for me because I think I hit that 100K goal. Okay. And so the next big goal, obviously for me, and maybe I shouldn't have done this, was to get to 100 miles. Well, you know, everyone has told me that your your biggest struggle in an ultra uh, in a hundred miler, the race really begins at 70. Well, I was only at 60 and now I was starting to feel tired. Um, I was starting to slow down. Um, doubt was starting to creep in a little bit. Not, never did I ever want to quit or anything like that. I just, I was like, okay, how in the heck am I going to maintain that goal pace that I set for myself the rest of the race when I'm starting to feel so tired? Now I, I, but but I felt good. Nothing was bothering me. My stomach felt great. Every, I felt great. I wasn't tired. Um, the sun is starting to set at this point. 
and I realized that I was going to need help and I did not want to be out there alone. Almost everybody that I saw out there was running with someone and it kind of was like, oh wow, why did I decide to do this by myself? This is going to suck. So thankfully, Ron Hammett, who is an amazing, accomplished uh, ultra runner, go look him up uh, if you don't know him. Um, also, just such a super nice person and so supportive of our community. He showed up. And when I saw him, like a huge relief passed over me. And I just decided that I didn't care about that USATF thing. And I needed him to come out and pace me. And I probably was going to need Molly to come out and pace me. So I told both of them that um, when I went around again, mile 61 or 62, I asked them at the aid station, you know, if, if I could drop the USATF thing and have a pacer. And they said, yes, of course, just take your bib off. So I was super happy. I came in. And I'll tell you, like, Ron uh, really, like, helped me so much. Because, first of all, I didn't have gloves. And it was starting to get very cold. So he gave me his gloves. He had an extra pair of gloves. Gave me gloves. Um, made me eat. Um, now, at this point, this is the first point in the race at about miles, I want to say 62 uh, 61, I started walking. I, I had not walked that whole race and I started to walk. Um, and it scared me because I thought, okay, now I'm walking. How am I going to run again? I didn't want to run. That was also scaring me. Now I knew, I know all of this. I've, I've talked to people. I've read books. I've watched documentaries. I know that this happens, but I've never experienced that before. Um, I had a little bit of pain on the right side of my knee. So when I would go to run, my right knee would hurt. And I, being injured, you know, having a stress fracture before, I have this stupid paranoia that I'm going to do something to myself and I'm not going to be able to run again. And I was very concerned about that at this this race. I didn't want to go out there and hurt myself and not be able to run, you know, for months or whatever. Um, and so the big thing was that I have Quicksilver um, coming up. So Quicksilver 100K in, in May. And that's my first Western States qualifier. And that's that's like my ultimate goal, right? Like, of course, is to get into Western States. So then I started thinking, and I don't know if this is me just making excuses or whatever, but I was very worried that I was going to hurt myself and then not be able to train for Quicksilver. So I had that going on. Thankfully, Ron and I, you know, he... He, he walked with me, um, and I think he, was, he, I think he was trying to get me to run, and I was just like, no. So that sucked. I was a little disappointed in myself for that. Like, I really, looking back now, I should have pushed myself a little bit more, especially since I had Ron with me, but that I didn't feel like running. And, and then I kept saying to myself, well, when I get to mile 70, I'll start running again because I had taken my music off. So, so that was the deal. So anyway, it was great. Ron walked me around. Um, we, uh, I changed because I was wearing shorts. Thank God I brought pants because I hadn't thought about that. I put some pants on. Um, I put my jacket on. Um, oh, my, my Garmin. I was super worried about my Garmin dying, right? Because, like, what's the point of all of this work if it's not on Strava? And, and, and I don't know what my pace is. So, um, I, I had a huge, a huge uh, battery uh, backup charger. So I had Molly, we hooked up the charger so that I was, I had it in my pack and I was still wearing my watch and my watch was charging. I was really worried about that though. But my watch was charging and it was still working, so it was great. So, you know, Ron and I are going around and we go around a couple times and Ron made me eat. Thank God he made me eat. I had a burrito, grilled cheese, um, just kept making me eat. And then finally, I don't remember honestly now what mileage we were at. 
Um, I was getting close to 70. So so Ron made me sit in the chair. Actually, I think it was it. Maybe it was, this was my mile 71 because I'm looking at times. But, but Ron made me sit down in the chair, and I was really worried about that because everybody told me not to sit. But I knew he knew what he was doing. So we sit down, and the other thing that had started, and I think I was in denial too, is I was starting to get huge blisters on the bottoms of my feet right underneath my toes and and so every time I would take a step it was super painful like super but I knew that I knew that was gonna happen so Ron um told me to take off my shoes I took off my shoes thank god I brought a change of socks um I switched out my socks um and then I put my shoes back on I had rocks in my shoes too rocks Ron's like why don't you dump out the rocks I was like oh yeah so I dumped the rocks out of my shoes you know that's the thing like I, I need someone to baby me like I learned that like I need someone there to be my mom and like tell me what to do and again I'm so glad that Ron was there so we dump out the, the rocks and then Ron went and got me a cheeseburger now I'm gonna tell you when you've been running you know I've been running I don't know how many hours 16 and 17 hours uh and I'm at mile 60 something 70 um yeah you think that's crazy but I he got me the cheeseburger and I freaking devoured that thing I ate it so fast I had a hiccups like I stood up I was like <gasps> because I I just inhaled the cheeseburger and I felt so much better after that but I still didn't want to run and that was scaring me so now in my head I'm thinking all right you've got 30 miles left and you are walking and you're gonna and I, and I started doing the math which you know I've been told don't do the math and I just started freaking out about like, oh my God, I'm going to be out here until two o'clock tomorrow. You know, I'm not going to make the cutoff. I started to have that worry, which is completely ridiculous now that I look back at, even if I would have walked the rest of that race, I still would have been way under the cutoff, but that's, that's what I do to myself. So, so anyway, Ron does a couple of laps with me. It was amazing. We were talking, talking running and it really took my mind off steps. Now it's dark and it's cold at this point. And Ron, Ron decides to go, so he has to leave. And so I kind of actually, I was like, okay, well maybe I need to get back in my, in my zone and put my music on, and then I'll start running again. So Ron left, and I put my music on, and I couldn't run. Now I'm, I'm doing, I'm looking at my Garmin right, or at my Strava right now, and I was doing about 16, 17 minute miles, which that's fine. The rest of the race, considering how fast I was running in the beginning, I still would have finished, no problem. But I can tell you it was extremely demoralizing for me because at this point, I've got people that I had lapped several times earlier that started lapping me. And, um, you know, everyone else was looking pretty good. I was looking good. Like, I know that. But I wasn't feeling good. So then, um, I don't remember where we were at, but I saw my friend Rachel that I had signed up for this race with, and she did not look like she was doing well. She was moving so slow, and she looked like she was in so much pain. And she had two pacers with her at the time. It was kind of funny because they were in onesies. I think one of them was a dragon or something, and I was cracking up laughing. And uh, just, I mean, hilarious, like absolutely hilarious. So here she is, like Rachel's just kind of moseying along, and I went up to her, and I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, no. And I could tell, like, never seen Rachel not in a good mood. Like, I've never seen that. She was not in a good mood. So I got a little sad because I just had this feeling that she was going to drop. Like I asked her what mile she was at and she was, she was not doing well. Um, I did the math in my head. I didn't say it to her, but I didn't think she was going to be able to finish in time. And I didn't want to say that. And I, kn I knew she knew that. Rachel's extremely experienced. She's done a 50 miler before. Um, and so I just, that, but that broke my heart. That made me really sad. And so I'm like, oh no, Rachel, if Rachel drops, like this is going to suck so bad. You know, now here I am alone in the dark and, it's not good. So 
I think I did a lap or two and I finally um I got back there and I I'm at like mile 72 or 73 and Molly, my 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 one of my best friends and the the lady I call my trail spouse, she um went out with me a couple of times and you know we had a good talk and we were moving pretty quickly and I actually felt a lot better. Um but then Molly had to leave. Um and so she left for a little while and that's when um it got bad for me. Um because again, here I am alone and it's dark and it's cold and I do not I'm a baby about the cold and I I didn't bring warm enough clothes I really regret that like if I had warmer clothes I was doing a lot better and then you know I see like my friend Heidi goes past me and she's got her little crew and they were jamming and then um I saw uh I or sorry I saw Falana and Tara and they were just killing it like they looked so strong and I'm kind of just like like I was walking like a zombie at this point I mean I was moving pretty fast looking at my Garmin but in my head like I'm thinking oh my gosh I'm never gonna get through this night this is awful so I get to the aid station and um, my friends, uh, Josh, Eddie, and his wife, Ashley, and Rob Erickson are there. And I was so happy to see them. Um, so it was so amazing. Um, so they um, were, you know, cheered me on a little bit or whatever. And I went around again. And then Ashley actually offered to do a little lap with me. So I got a cup of coffee. We did a lap. Um, she gave me an ibuprofen. I never take ibuprofen during races, but I really felt like that would help me because I was I was starting to hurt, and I, I really did want to try to run. Um, I think what I learned here, the big thing, this is what I want to say, is that I either run ball to the walls or I walk. And my weakness is I need to figure out that little ultra shuffle. Like I had, I saw so many people. It was funny, so many older people, far older people that were just chugging along and kicking my ass because they were doing that consistent run. And I think that that takes a whole different type of strength that I haven't developed yet. I think mental strength and physical strength because, you know, I, I can't do it. I couldn't get my legs to go. And, and again, I was a little worried about hurting my leg, but I don't know if that was an excuse that I was making for myself or what. Um, now, I also, you know, I, that reminds me after I saw them, um, I had so many friends and family members come out. Um, my ex-husband brought my sons. I have uh, eight-year-old twin sons, and he brought them out, and they ran up to me and gave me a kiss and a hug. This was, at my, like, I think just after I'd hit mile 50. That was awesome. One of my coworkers, Ryan Mitchell, he came out, and it was just, just the, the fact that people would come out and um, just to see you and give support meant so much to me. My aunts. Um, Leanne came out and I love her so much she's a runner too and she's always been so supportive and my my parents they're they're supportive but they don't come out to my races and stuff and so the fact that my aunt came out that meant so much to me that actually made me tear up a little bit I think that was one of the only few times that that I was I, I was crying and so you know one thing if you haven't done an ultra like that um how important having people there for you is at least for me I know a lot of people like to do these events by themselves and stuff but but I need that um it helped me so much and I wish that I had set that up in a better way and so I will next time and then you know the other thing is one of my really good friends Stephen Massey he was at Black Canyon I actually had had um, a couple of friends running Black Canyon and of course I was really curious to see um, how my ultra running crush uh, Eric Sensman was going to do at Black Canyon while this was going on. So Steven was out there and it was nice though because even though he wasn't there, um, I had deleted Facebook and I had deleted Messenger off my phone because I didn't want the battery to die and I didn't want my phone blowing up distracting me the whole race. But 
Stephen and I were texting a little bit um, when I was having low points or when I felt like taking a walk break. I would text him to see what was going on out there. And um, he said, I probably, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a restraining order put on me or whatever. But he took some pictures of Eric Sensman for me and sent them to me. And like I said, like I have a big ultra running crush on him and I was hoping he was going to win. I've been following his training. Um, and then, you know, and then I found out later that he DNF, but it was nice to get those photos. That was very motivating. And then just Stephen was so encouraging. Stephen has been such a huge inspiration to me since I started running, um, th trail running three years ago. And so, you know, he was saying that he was proud of me and all this other stuff. And that was the only time during the race that I actually like cried. Like I, t I teared up because I was like, oh, that's so awesome. So, so it was cool. That was great. So having all that support too, I just wish that I had organized it better, I guess. I wish I'd had more people there for me because one time I came into where our little, my little bucket was and nobody was there. Everybody was gone. And um, it, uh, it hurt. Um, I was like, because I needed somebody. I needed someone at that point to go around with me, I think, again. And there was no one there. And so I went out. And now I'm at mile 82. And... Um, I'm on my, I want to say, I think it was my 32nd lap. See, I don't even know. And I got out there and I was moving so slow and I was so cold and I was so miserable. And this was a very calculated decision. This wasn't, I know this, this wasn't a low point decision because I wasn't in a low point. Um, I've experienced that before. I just decided that I didn't need to finish. Um, I had built this up so much and I wanted that buckle, blah, blah, blah. But I honestly, I was done. I had a great day. I ran strong. I was feeling good still. I wasn't injured. Um, I did not want to stay out there for another six plus hours walking for that buckle. I just did it. Um, and I wasn't sad about it. So I went around and I texted Molly and I told her, I said, I want to drop. I'm going to be at the, at the, at the timing station, the aid station where the loop starts. And I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And I was very okay with that. So it's funny. Cause of course, you know, it's her job. She texts me and she's like, no, you're, you're, you're not quitting. I'll be right there. So I meet her at the aid station. I stopped, I sat on the ground and she's like, I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm fine, Molly, but I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I feel good. I don't want to hurt myself for Quicksilver. Um, I just, I, I'm good. I had a great day. I ran my first 40 miles today. I ran my first 50 miles today. I ran my first 100K today. I PR'd my 50K. It was a good day, and I'm, I'm done. And poor Molly, um, she hasn't done an ultra yet, and she's never like been around all of this. And so I know she was trying so hard to get me to go back out there, but I was not having it. And I think because I was so calm and I wasn't crying and I, I was just very matter of fact, like she finally was like, okay. And I told her, I, like I felt, I felt bad for putting her in that position because she was trying to do her best to get me to go back out. But I felt good. Um, so at 82.5 miles, I chose to drop. Um, you know, six months ago, I would have been so upset with myself, but I feel great today. Like, I seriously do not regret staying out there. Um, you know, we, I had such an awesome day. And again, the fact that that was the first time that I had hit the, that mileage and that I was feeling so strong and I, I'm good. I'm good. Um, 
I'm really proud of myself. The support and the, the accolades and the compliments and the just everything that I got from all of my friends and family yesterday and today, I am just so happy and I'm just soaring and I'm so excited about the future. And um, I'm ready, you know, for Quicksilver. So I feel good. So that was my first DNF. That was my first 100-mile attempt. But, you know, it's funny, about, about 10 minutes before I started the podcast, I signed up for uh, the Stagecoach 100-miler. <laughs> so it can't be that bad if I'm signing up for another 100-miler uh, after I just DNF'd my uh, first attempt. Um, I think Stagecoach, because it's point-to-point, and it's trail, and it's Flagstaff, and it's beautiful, um, I think that it will be a much better thing. You know, there was a couple of times when I was doing that loop race. The first the first 50 miles, like, it didn't bother me. But then, yes, like, knowing that I could drop at any moment or that I could go back out there, like, I have so much respect and just I'm in awe of people that have the mental and physical ability to knock out the mileage that they do at those loop races. You have to be such a strong person in all areas to be able to do that. And I'm not, like... My weak area for sure is dark and cold and not, you know, the loop race, like mentally, like, no, like I'm not there yet. Um, And again, I need to learn how to find that happy medium between running really fast and walking because I I haven't mastered that yet. That's definitely something I'm going to need for for Quicksilver and for now for Stagecoach and eventually if I get into Western States, you know. So um, it, it was, there was one point, it was very funny, where it was dark was one of my only low points but I was by myself and it was dark and I was freezing I was shivering and I was kind of there's like a little area where there's this tall grass like bushes uh, next to the lake and um, I just I was like out loud I was like ah oh, this is a fucked up Ragnar like I felt like it was Ragnar like because I've done a million Ragnars right like it's dark and you're tired and you're like why the fuck am I out here cold and miserable um it was that was my low point now I, I want to say like my high point from that race, besides all the moments that I saw my sons and stuff, I think I'm trying not to cry because I'm, I'm getting better about that. But um, it was so emotional. Um, so when I hit 50, it was almost perfect. But one of my favorite songs is the song El Paso. I know that's really silly because most people know that I love um, rap music. And, and that's mostly what I listen to. But I also, like, I love a lot of Eagles songs. And I love... Um, a little bit of everything, right? And I do love old country. It reminds me of my, my grandparents, who I love very much. So anyway, I was at mile 50, and it was just absolutely perfect outside. Temperatures were in the upper 60s, I think, and the sun was shining. I was just really in my element, and I was flying. You know, I was knocking out these nine-minute miles and feeling so good, and, and I everybody was cheering for me, and I was every time I would pass my friends, like, I would smile, and I would say hi, and I just I was smiling the whole time. Like, I really... One thing I've learned, like, if you're not smiling during a race, like, dude, something's wrong. Like, make yourself smile. Like, it, it, it does change everything. So so let me let me just play a little clip of it for copyright purposes, right? This song here. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Okay, so... Just imagine, like, that's playing, and I'm singing it, and I'm running, and the there was birds, you know, and the ducks, and the lake, and it was just the sun was shining, and I was in heaven. So, even though I DNF'd, um, it was a great thing. I'm so happy. I, I, it was my choice, 
and I, I felt fine and I, I'm not ashamed at all. Like, how can you be ashamed of running for the first time that mileage in that condition? Um, uh, just super happy today um, and, and really proud of myself and I'm proud of all of my friends and yes. <laughs> uh, that is the story of my first 100 mile attempt and my first DNF. So what a great day. Um, things went really well. Um, I learned a lot. Um, again, you know, I want to mention, you know, not putting on sunscreen. Uh, I wore new socks. That was fucking stupid. Um, not having enough warm clothes. Um, not having crew and pacers and an organized system of having people there for me when I started to hit my low points. Um, I, I, I didn't, I got chafing in some areas that I never thought of before, like under my arms and things like that, because again, not doing that kind of mileage. Um, and then a lot of what things went right. And so I learned so much. Um, and so it's funny now, but 100 miles doesn't seem that long doesn't seem that far and, I, and I'm excited. That's why I signed up for, for Stagecoach this morning and I have a long time to go. So I am so excited to have this podcast going again. Um, you know, I quit last time because, um, and I don't want to get into this too much, but I had, when you put yourself out there, you open yourself up for accolades, but you also open yourself up for criticism. And so, of course, you know, I had a few people that, um, said some pretty bad things about me um and it was a few very 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 few and they're continuing to do that um and I let it get to me and and that's the other thing you know that I've learned over these last few weeks and that I've gained in my confidence is that um I really honestly now I don't care um I can't care I have so many freaking amazing friends and family and co-workers who support me and who love me for who I am and there are people that are going to be jealous and I just need to just keep on keeping on and be myself. And so thank you to everyone who's been asking about this. I'm so happy to be doing it again and I want to do it on a weekly basis and I want to have guests again and I want to make this thing even bigger and better than it was before. Um, sharing my personal struggles um, with everyone and my triumphs, I think um, it helps me. And I also know because I've gotten so many messages from, from people that it, it helps others. So yes, Rebecca Runs Trails um, and hoping to get the website going and all of that fun stuff um, out there. Um, I, I want to really say wow and congratulations to um, Beth Christensen and Jennifer Gotti and Falana White and Tara Loveland and um, everybody else that went out there yesterday and attempted that 100 miler. Um, I saw such strong um, human beings, um, but I mostly saw such strong, strong women. Um, very, very inspiring. Um, and, 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 and everyone helping each other out was just absolutely amazing. Um, I can't list all of the people that were out there helping and just, it, it was overwhelming and it was a, an amazing thing. And, and to me, that's what ultra running is all about, is that community and that support and that humanity. Um, so 
that's it for this first episode of Rebecca Runs Trails. You can follow me on Instagram. You can check out the website, uh, the Facebook page. And again, I'm hoping to get this really going here now that, that this 100 miler is, is in the books. Well, this DNF is in the books. Uh, and you can follow my progress for my first Western States ticket as I attempt Quicksilver. That's all for this week. Uh, I, I, I was trying to think, you know, I used to say make those trail tales on the trail tales po- podcast, but I think for me now, one thing that, that I think my, my mantra or whatever is, is just keep smiling, smile, keep smiling, have fun. That's it.